What an absolutely eventful fucking week. Uh, Jeff Bezos flies to space on a fucking penis rocket. Brady visits the White House and dunks on the president and his predecessor. The Suns shit the bed after going up two games against the Bucks. Aaron Rodgers turns out a behemoth extension, and the state of Wisconsin is now officially a basketball state. Uh, this 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 week had it all. I'm telling you, the the penis rocket I think is my personal favorite. Um, if you weren't on Twitter yesterday for the Jeff Bezos uh, rocket launch, <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. I mean, the guy looks like Doctor Evil. He's riding to space on a on a on a rocket that is so phallic like. It's just. Uh, it's fucking hilarious. Um, last week, I think we actually opened the pod by saying nothing happened this week. Uh, it's been quite the turnaround. Uh, the NBA Finals wrapped up. Uh, this week had it all. What, what was your favorite moment? Uh, it had to be Bruce Arians being a new color of skin. I mean, I mean, I didn't know you'd uh, reach the sun, uh, but apparently that's where he spends his offseason. Boys, I think for me, it's just the Steelers signings. Uh, I haven't been too excited other than getting a, get a few good laps in during the week. Steelers making some moves, keeping me pretty happy. So Melvin Ingram, who else was it? Uh, Trey Turner, which is huge. And um, there's word right now that, um, you know, pending uh, Malik Hooker's physical, he's coming to Pittsburgh. And, uh, you know, we're talking about three, um, you know, what injury-riddled guys, but Pro Bowl, all, all pro caliber type players for, you know, very cheap, which is what Pittsburgh needs. Risks you add in June, uh, July and August. I mean, it's small little moves like this that can take you from, you know, eight and nine to, you know, 10 and seven. Um, you know, little, little moves like that that can swing one or two games. I, I'm right there with you, Marcus. Yeah, but I mean, you know, this, this they're exciting pickups, but how can you take that over the penis rocket? Come on. <laughs> um, the penis rocket, this historical, this whole thing right now that's going on with these billionaires uh, blasting off in outer space. I mean, this is only the fucking beginning. You know, Richard Branson obviously took off last week and it was kind of uneventful. Like if you want to make news, if you want to trend on Twitter, you got to blast off a space in a penis rocket. I think Jeff Bezos really set the tone there. I, uh, I heard a, uh, a conversation earlier this week, and it was about how billionaires have their dick measuring contest. And it used to be uh, who had the bigger mega yacht, but obviously Branson goes to space. And I think Bezos cleared his, uh, his depth into space by however many uh, feet. But talk, talk about measuring your dick with a dick. Yeah, I mean, Zuckerberg just goes back to his home planet next, right? Isn't that the, isn't, isn't that the play? Yep. <laughs> he just goes home. Yeah, truthfully, I think the best thing is, I uh, forget the number, but it's roughly over, it's over 150,000 people have uh, signed a petition that Bezos needs to stay yeah. in space. Like, every, <laughs> everyone hates him, but they love, the, they love to use the product that he brought to everyone. He was only up there for like five minutes, um, and yeah, it would have been great. I, I, one of my favorite responses that he had this week uh, was, he's basically like, because, you know, they, they, they did calculations on how much uh, CO2 they burned with the launch and all this stuff. And he said, no, 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 we're doing things like this so that eventually we can move industry into space. So basically saying, like, we're going to, no, don't worry, folks. The ultimate plan is to pollute the shit out of space. That's basically, like, what his response was. Don't worry, all this shit we're doing now, we're going to move it all out into space. We're going to get our oil in space. And it, it, was, it was pretty fucking hilarious. I love the rocket launch. Yeah, the cowboy hat made it, honestly. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Who does he think he is? I mean, I know he's recently divorced. He's probably on quite the fuck spree right now. I mean, you know, he was sending dick pics and all this but before this happened. But, um, yeah, what's it like being the richest man in the world and recently single? 
We're seeing it right yep. in front of our eyes. For sure. Meanwhile, his wife is donating all this money to charity, and, oh, man, hilarious. <laughs> but the biggest news, I mean, Giannis, uh, everyone thought it was over, you know, when he landed wrong on, on his on his right leg. Boy, were we, we wrong. I mean, he just put up one of the most dominant finals performance of any player ever, which if you really think about it, I mean, what did he, he went down in, in the, in the final, in that previous series. If you saw that, it looked like he was done. Everyone was ruling him out. When I heard he was going to suit up just for the first game, I was like, ah, oh, there's no fucking way. Like he, he's, he, they're just going to put him in there as a decoy. Um, he, he didn't look as great as he did, you know, in the final stretch in that first game, but it's insane. Like, this guy is inhuman, absolutely inhuman. They call him the Greek freak for a reason, man. Uh, Freaking 50-point game uh, to finish off the Suns. You know, obvious, obviously the MVP of the series uh, becomes one of, you know, the only players in the history of the NBA to win a, win a title uh, as an MVP, win an MVP award, and a defensive player of the year and all that stuff, like... And he's so dang likable. I mean, that's that's the big thing. I mean, you know, a lot. Who are the? I mean, is Curry really likable? Durant certainly isn't likable. Harden isn't likable. Like LeBron's polarizing. You know, there isn't really like a good guy in well, the so NBA, and Giannis fills that role. Honestly, here's here's the way that works: is uh, Curry was likable after the first championship, but then like if you continue to be good for too long, then they turn against you. Like it's probably going to happen to Patrick Mahomes. Well, uh, tr- truthfully, Giannis, his uh, his post championship flex has to be the best out of anybody. He doesn't go buy a hundred thousand dollar bottle of champagne. He goes and gets a fifty pack of nuggets to celebrate <laughs> his fifty points. What exactly a fifty? Exactly fifty. Yeah, Giannis really is. He he he's so good for the NBA in so many reasons. I I agree with Brandon. I personally have never liked Curry. I thought he was always kind of a, a cocky prick, uh, and it's probably just because of the team that he played on. I never once liked Curry, even before he was winning. Um, he does those little face things. He's just not a likable guy, uh, kind of showy. Um, and I just don't think he's that interesting. Giannis, he's this classic player. He could have left Milwaukee. He could have went and built a super team, you know, like Brooklyn, um, like the Lakers, you know, like all these teams that he was playing against in the playoffs, but he didn't. He stayed in Milwaukee, and a lot of people gave him a lot, a lot of shit. He's been playing with with Chris Middleton for eight seasons. That in itself is insane. The fact that this guy stuck with it, he 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 was determined to win a championship for this team. It's really admirable, and guys like this, it's really what the NBA needs. Um, and and you know, we're gonna talk about it in a second. Uh, the ratings are, are up from last year, but they're still pretty down. Um, so, you know, it's 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 a little bit worrisome that this series where, you know, ultimately whoever won was going to win the first championship for their franchise. Uh, it's weird that ratings are still down considering that storyline. Yeah, I mean, the the Bucks won whatever, like 50 years ago when they had Lou Alcindor. Doesn't count. Seven years ago. Before, count. before he turned into Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and, and yeah. Oscar Robertson. But 50 years is still a long time. So, I mean, and it would have been the Suns, obviously, first championship. Uh, so, I mean, it, it had a lot of magnitude to it. Obviously, CP3 is a story that a lot of people were interested in and riding on. Um, but I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's that it's pushed back of like a month or something. I don't that from what it normally is that maybe have drawn, drawn down some of the ratings or something, but um, th- there is a little bit of a lack of superstar power in it. Uh, and, and that probably had an effect as well. 10 years from now, I was talking this with, with between with Sanders and Trevor 10 years from now, will anyone remember this championship? 
will this team be remembered? Because I'm pretty sure they're not winning another one. Like the Nets are going to come back stronger. Um, the teams in the West are all getting better. Atlanta, I think, is going to be a force. I think this team reminds me a lot of the 2011 Mavericks when Dirk just went on a run. And, and that's what me and Trevor were talking about. Like, Dirk had an amazing finals, a finals for the ages, but that's really all that team did. And I think we just witnessed that same thing with Giannis going on an insane run. But this team, honestly, probably probably isn't set up for a run at all. Well, well, well here's a question for you in, in, in rebuttal to that. Did it not look like Giannis hit like a different level during this? Like he realized, oh, I can turn this on and, and kind of carry a team even farther than I normally carry them uh, when it comes down to crunch time. And now I can I maybe have some even players on my team that I can rely on. Winning that first championship is definitely the hardest, you know? Um, and it, it, if, if, it, if you can learn from that, which they, they may be able to do, uh, I can see them. They're definitely going to be competitive. They're going to be in the playoffs every year when they have Giannis. So I, I don't I don't think that this is the only one that they could well, win. I think the Mavericks is a weird comparison because I was literally just listening to a podcast today where they were talking about the Mavericks. I mean, that's one of the largest, that's one of the biggest upsets in, in NBA Finals history. Um, I think, you know, guys like Giannis that take kind of these ragtag rosters and take them all the way, it's memorable, especially with the performance that he does. And especially the way he did it. It's insane. A guy has not played like this, like the way that Giannis executed since Shaquille O'Neal. Like, scoring all of his points from the paint, a terrible <laughs> free throw shooter all around, but Except still, for the last game. still managed to get done. Yeah, I mean, his, he, he, he randomly got clutch, but we're talking like a guy that barely hit 60%, you know? Yeah. Um, it's... I, I thought it was I thought it was pretty fascinating and I'm I'm kind of mad at myself for not watching more of the series. I just couldn't bring myself to do it. I found the Suns to be kind of uninteresting. Um I don't really like these shooting teams to be honest. I, I think it's uninteresting. I, I want to go back to like the Piston days, you know the the, the MJ days, you know they, they these these teams weren't playing ISO and just taking a bunch of shots. I think that's kind of boring in the NBA. I'd like to see more guys like Giannis come up in the league because I think shooting teams, you know, that when when it when they're hot, it's hot. But man, they live and die by the three, and when they die by the three, those games are really fucking boring. Yeah, here's here's a Brandon hot take for you. This Bucks team is the worst team to win an NBA championship this century. Out of the 21, 21 champions that they, we've had um, in this century, they are the worst team. That's not not a knock on Giannis. That's a knock on the rest of the roster. That's actually a compliment to Giannis that he was able to pull this team um, to a championship. Honestly, you're probably wrong because some of those Cleveland teams were fucking terrible. Um, so at the worst, I, I think one of those Cleveland teams with LeBron, they, he, I think that'll compete for sure and likely take it. Um, he did say to win it. And and I yeah. agree, I agree, Marcus. I, I think the team that LeBron carried with Agassiz and 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 Mo Williams one of the one of the worst teams to ever make the finals. But he he said to win it. You'd have well, to even though they right? won it with the the rest of the team. You know, wasn't that great. Um, they had some good players, Kevin Love and stuff like that. But uh, I mean, head to head, I still might take this team right now. Um, I mean, if Giannis is going to play like that, I think that would be hard to beat for them. So that could be interesting, but obviously not something we're going to see. How about the legacy of Chris Paul, and what does this series say about that? Like, to be up 2-0, this is your chance. You've been in the league, you know, as long as you have. Uh, you're you're considered one of the greatest point guards of all time. But, I mean, he's what has, he won what? One MVP award, right? Something like that. 
Um, and then this is the closest he's ever sniffed to a championship. Yeah, I don't know. He's, he's never really been one of the uh, the elite elite like game takeover. Like he's not a guy who takes over the game. Like he funnels the ball, so it, it really can't hurt that legacy. Um, you know, he just plays good round like um, um, good basketball on both ends of the floor. But he, you know, he's just not going to ever be like in the elite conversations with LeBron and Kobe. And, you know, any of those guys that you that they can win games on their own. He's just not that player. Yeah, and you have to assume this was this was CP3's last chance, right? Because um, he, so you got to remember a few different things. He is the president of the NBA Players Union. So next year to win a championship, he just can't go and take some team friendly contract, play with the Lakers, and get his championship. He can't do it. He's got to be a representative of the league. He's he he can't take these discount contracts just to get you know, a, a championship like so many players have done. So the road ahead for him is really murky. Um, his player option with the Suns is crazy expensive. You have to assume that the team gets worse because of it. So if he stays with the Suns, I don't think the Suns are going to have enough firepower to get it done. And, you know, what else does he do? The Lakers don't have enough cap to pay him what he's going to be asking for. Um, he can't go to Brooklyn. You know, like, <coughs> what, what does a guy like him do? It's, 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 it's pretty... Um, it's a pretty bad road ahead for him. I mean, I, I truly believe this was his last chance. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think I think he probably opts out. Um, and the realistic, the, the Knicks have a lot of space, but you're not gonna like that. That team would need a lot of building to to be done in order to really get to the point where they're competitive. Um, I think his best shot would would really be to come back to the Suns team and trying to find a, another big man behind Aiton so that you just don't get absolutely torched when he's not in the game. Trevor Booker took a step forward. DeAndre Ayton looked way better. You know what I mean? When Chris, like halfway through this season, once he started picking up, you know, the coaching and stuff from Chris Paul, um, I, I think that that probably is his best shot. If he doesn't go take a massive discount, like you were talking about, and wind up on like the Lakers or something. Yeah. So, you know, we talked about it today. Um, the dichotomy that's going on right now in Wisconsin is is really fucking hilarious. Uh, we have we have on one hand Giannis, you know, bringing the first championship to Milwaukee um, in five decades in basketball. Uh, you know, uh, not going and building a super team in a bigger market, really sticking with it. Um, you know, they've been in it the last three years, every single year, and he could have left and he could have probably dominated with one of these other teams, but instead he stuck it out. He, he didn't, you know, bitch out. And then we have on the other side of the coin, Mr. Aaron Rodgers, who's also one of the massive news stories of the week, refusing to become the highest paid quarterback in the in the in the in, in the league. With, with but he's a part owner. Green Bay. He's a part owner of the Bucks, so he gets yep. to celebrate the championship. Yep. So, <laughs> and and we we mentioned that, you know, as well. It, uh, Aaron Rodgers had the unique privilege of both losing to the Bucks and then winning with the Bucks this year. Uh, it's pretty interesting, but so then Aaron Rodgers. I mean, this has got to be a statement, right? This, this is this has got to be the final straw for the Packers. I mean, you're you're either just going to stick to your guns and just lose this guy to retirement, or get get two, three first rounders, whatever you can get for him, and set yourself up for the future. Like, like what? It, it, I've I've been with you, Brandon, this whole time. I've been saying that he's coming back. He's coming back. He's coming back after this. I think he's done. I think he's fucking done. 
Yeah, it's a bit, it's a big fuck you, but I, obviously he's been a uh, very prideful person for his whole career. Uh, you know, a little stuck up, and you know, at times, uh, I honestly see him taking like the Brett Favre path, heading heading to uh, Minnesota in a trade after after this season, um, or maybe being a, um, a successor to Tom Brady uh, with the Bucks. Man, uh, it's it's going to be one of those moves somewhere where he could win a championship and just say, "Hey, Green Bay, go fuck yourselves. Enjoy Jordan Love, you, you dumb shit." It's I mean, so, I, I, I do, obviously I don't know Aaron Rodgers, uh, but everything I've seen of him, he seems like a sensitive guy. So the fact that he's not getting what he wanted, that you know, negotiations took as long as they did, uh, I, I, you hear a similar story coming out recently. Uh, Gabriel Landeskog for the Colorado Avalanche, he's basically said negotiations didn't get serious fast enough. Uh, I'm probably ahead. I'm out. Probably on my way out. And I think it's probably the same thing with Aaron Rodgers. He don't. He didn't get what he wanted. He didn't get the support and everything he wanted. He felt disrespected by the quarterback pick, and now he just wants out. If it's not money, what is it? Nothing they can fix before the season starts. Let's remove Brady from a. Is he the least likable quarterback in the league, outside of Brady? Because Brady's polarizing. Is he the least like? Like I hate Aaron Rodgers. Like he just rubs me like so. As just the biggest douche. Like, I don't even care. I don't want to. If he was in the room, I would screw it. I have no interest. Ben um, Roethlisberger is pretty unlikable. Jameis Winston's pretty pretty unlikable. Uh, they're, they're, they're pretty polarizing, both of them. Um, you're not wrong. You're certainly not wrong. I, I just, I don't know, man. Um, this just, again, I don't want to say tarnish his legacy because that's probably a bit dramatic. But, like, he's not doing himself any favors. He's intentionally not doing the Packers any favors. Drew, you're right. I was on board with, he's playing with the Packers. This is all, they're going to work it out behind the scenes, but you're right, Drew. I mean, that took a, took a big step backwards uh, this week. How yes. long until Zach Wilson takes over at least likable? Cause there's just something about that guy. <laughs> like he's, he, he's like one concert N word away from like yep. just being, <laughs> Yeah, I, I I could see you know him throwing a, a touchdown pass, um, and then you know a player comes up to him, gives him a high five, and he has like the whitest interaction, like oh yeah, uh, uh, you know like, like <laughs> the guy coming up and goes, hey man, can I borrow a couple change? Hell yeah, <laughs> I'm telling you, there's gonna be some racist little like, uh, and yeah, Zach Wilson will definitely. I, I, my my thoughts about Aaron Rodgers are 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 very strange. I love Aaron Rodgers. I I, I love him in in uh, in interviews. I think he's a really interesting dude. Um, I like everything that he says and does, and wish he was a Viking. I, I like him as a Vikings fan. It's bizarre, but I I love Aaron Rodgers. I'm, so how how does uh, we're talking AFC West today? How does a deal not happen with either San Francisco or, or Denver? Are they waiting for his value just to keep plummeting at this point? Like, he's got to be attainable at, you know, right now. I think it's, I think it's been the, the Packers haven't been willing to trade him until maybe this point. It's not that they haven't, you know, it's the, the team has to be a willing party. You can throw as much as you want at him. Um, but also, you weren't able to make a trade until after June 1st because of the number that he had, the, you know, the dead cap number that he would have had. So it, it comes down to that, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, between San Francisco, you know, they think they have their guy. Um, they just you know, use a lot of draft capital, so I don't blame them for not moving. But Denver and, and Washington, I don't know why they aren't beating the door down, trying to get him on that roster as soon as possible. We talked about it last week. You, you add Aaron Rodgers to that Redskins offense and only spend draft capital to do it. That team's a juggernaut. If I'm if I'm Washington, I'm calling in uh, Aaron Rodgers directly and saying, if you accept this trade, you can you can name our team. 
The Washington <laughs> Rogers. There you go. I mean, so, Derek, you mentioned that last week, uh, and you mentioned it this week. What is the cost? Like, if it's just draft capital, um, you know, is, is it three first is always a thing that gets thrown out, whether it's Deshaun Watson or, 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 or quarterbacks of the past. Three first is what's kind of always thrown out. I think that's too high considering his age right now. But again, what is that price? Well, that's, what, that's what the you, problem. And that's why I think a deal hasn't got done. It's if you're on the receiving end of Aaron Rodgers, you know, three firsts for a guy that probably has three or four years left, has shown interest outside of football. If he doesn't like the landing spot, he's, he's not going to be happy. He might not play for you, you know, past his contract. Um, three firsts is a ton to give up. But if you're the Packers, how do you get rid of him for less? Yeah, I, I would I would do it if I was the Redskins or three the three first three first three first round. I'm, I'm Aaron Rodgers for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I mean yeah. I might be like I want three first and I want to unload some money on you. So to like, me, you got, you got to remember how much they gave up for RG three not that long ago. <clears throat> to me, this extension offer becoming public, um, all this this is Aaron Rodgers helping the team that's going to trade for him. Because now, now it's depreciating value. Every day that goes forth, we we already know what's up in Green Bay. He doesn't want to play there, so mm-hmm. that that hurts the hand of Green Bay even more. Green Bay predictably has played this so terribly, and it's it's for obvious reasons. I'm telling you, Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre have been the tissue paper holding back the ultimate flood, which is the ineptitude of the Packers organization. The, the organization that kept Ted Thompson in, in, in a seat of power for over a decade, whose only good move was getting Aaron Rodgers, luckily enough, and then also ultimately prevented Aaron Rodgers from winning championships. This is a bottom five organization. And it's, it's, it's insane that they've had the success that they've had because they are fucking terrible. You take away these two transcendent quarterbacks, these generational talents that they've had over the last 30 years, and they're a forgettable franchise. They go back, they revert to the 80s Packers who were so fucking terrible until they got Favre. Um, this franchise is a joke. They know it. It's It's been stubbornness, which is the reason that Aaron Rodgers hasn't been traded. And this is just going to get worse and worse. And as a Vikings fan, oh, my God. I feel like every time I see, like, Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, trending on Twitter, like, it's time to get the dick out. Like, it's we got to fucking just enjoy this. As, as a team that has just suffered through these fucking quarterbacks, like, if you're in the NFC North right now, you are fucking enjoying this because every other NFC North team is on the up and up, and, and we're just looking at the Packers like, oh, let it burn, baby. Let it burn. Uh, what, what have the Packers done outside of having two Hall of Fame quarterbacks and the coach that the trophy's named after? Exactly. Aaron Jones and, and, was a good draft pick. Yeah. <laughs> outside of that, like, I can't really think of much. I mean... If, if no, I mean, like, they've, they've had some good players, uh, you know. I'm talking uh, about, like, success. Success in between Lombardi oh, and, and Rodgers yeah. and Favre. Like, no, yeah. yeah. Well, Drew, Drew, if the Vikings made the move for uh, for Rodgers, like, after this season, how how long after the trade gets through uh, do you get an Aaron Rodgers jersey? I mean, immediately. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm a Vikings fan who's, who's always loved Packers quarterbacks. I mean – fill in the blanks but I'm I, I'm not one of these guys I don't I don't hate like I, I've always come to respect like rivals in any sport um and so I, I love the I love the Packers I love Jay Cutler obviously I'm fucking obsessed with the guy I made like 37 memes about him um 
And I love, you know, Jay Cutler mostly because he lost a lot. But um, <laughs> I, I, I respect, you know, the guys like like Aaron Rodgers. And, dude, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, he's the best quarterback I've ever seen, talent-wise, ever. So, yeah. love him. <clears throat> what about what about the best quarterback of all time, though? Best quarterback? I mean, it's Tom Brady, of course. But, you know, Tom, Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers gets drafted to Bill Belichick, and he has nine Super Bowls right now, so... It's just, it's I mean, certainly is. possible. Someone had a, um, a very interesting uh, discussion, and it was instead of uh, kill, Mary bang, it's start, bench, and cut. And it, it said uh, Brady, Manning, and Montana. So what, what do you do? It's, I mean, I, I personally cut Montana. You have to yes. start Brady right. and then bench uh, Peyton. But, you know, there's some – anyone who doesn't start Brady, you're being I don't know. I think I'm cutting Manning. I mean, the guy couldn't win the big game. I mean, he, he had some epic collapses in the playoffs. Montana had just had a bit of a clutch gene. I mean, the guy just won. You don't, um, you don't want that giant brain holding the clipboard? So, so oh, <laughs> in regards to Mon- the Montana thing, like, as great as a player he was – the era that he played in, that team, there was like there wasn't nearly as much free agency going on. That team around him, like the top, it was a top five defense every single year. Uh, he played with you know the greatest wide receiver of all time, uh, and they're like one of the literally the coaches that changed the game of offense uh, at, at such a ridiculous level that they named like they the entire NFL started doing what they were doing. Well, so. since you brought up the greatest receiver, uh, this will be the last thing I do off track. So we'll do the same thing. Start, bench, cut. Jerry Rice, Megatron, Hopkins. Go. Start, bench, Start. cut. Start. I'm, I'm, bent, I'm cutting Hopkins. I don't, I, don't, yeah. I don't like the game because cut and bench are essentially the same thing to me. <laughs> it's like, who, who, do, who do you want to play? So you're basically just picking who you like the best. I'm going with the greatest wide receiver of all time, Jerry Rice. All right. Uh, so the the Bucks visit the White House. Um, speaking of Brady and his greatness, I thought you were gonna do fuck kill Mary. By the way, and you're definitely fucking Tom Brady. Um, <laughs> that, that's bu- too easy. <laughs> it's way too easy. Such a beautiful man. Ages like a fine wine. You you got to put a ring on that shit. It's he's gonna look even better in twenty years. He's he's evolving into Tilda Swinton. You just gotta bide your time <laughs> and kind of ride his fortune until the Tilda Swinton years, and then you really cash in. Um, but the Bucks. I heard that's why uh, the real reason Jimmy G got traded is because he couldn't have two quarterbacks that fuckable on the same roster. Exactly. <laughs> Bill Belichick could not control his thoughts with those two guys in the room. Man, the sh- Bill Belichick in the showers. Jimmy G with that bronze skin. <sighs> Well, uh, Jimmy, you should probably put a towel on, please. (laughs) (laughs) But Bucks visit the White House. Um, Tom Brady, just the goat of any social interactions. Um, You can't say enough about this dude. Uh, He manages to to both dunk on the current president and the previous president, leaving it completely up for interpretation. Whatever side of the political spectrum you... I posted the video. I've seen so many comments, people being like, yeah, he's bashing Biden. Yeah, he's bashing Trump. No, you fucking idiots. He's bashing both of them. And you're the patsy yeah. that's buying into this game. So he, yeah, th- it's, it's funny. He's clearly a written response. This guy's so calculated, so smart about everything he says. He's been cast as his Trump supporter and he manages to dump on both, dunk on both of them. The, the White House, the whole thing, it was, it was hilarious. Uh, Bruce Arians, like Brandon said, um, the guy, the guy has been laying out in the sun, like lathered in bacon grease the entire off season. Uh, but Tom Brady, like just so good. He kills it every time. 
So Donovan Smith says to him as they're like walking up, he's like, do you have a residency here or what? (laughs) And he's like, no, man, I haven't been here in 10 years. He's he's been to the White House more than most presidents. Most presidents. Yeah, he he was there like three three years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Like>. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yep. So um, so I guess we're gonna talk about his uh, his injury. Everyone's got this huge debate, and like, there's such a there's two views to it, and there's obviously the number one is uh, why was he not on the um, uh, the injury list ever. And I, I think it was a big, it was a big snack, uh, Marcus Spears. I think he had the uh, the best response or you know the saying that I heard. It was if you're not missing any practice reps, you don't need to be on the injury list. Yeah, you have to. If you don't miss a rep, you don't have to be on the injury list. And Tom Brady ain't giving any reps up. That's why Kyle Trask will suck. Uh, <clears throat> also, the MCL is something I heard people debating on whether or not you could actually play on an ACL. They're like, I can't walk on a torn MCL. It's like then uh, you don't have a torn MCL because you can definitely walk on it. It's not that bad. Um, people play through those injuries all the time. Uh, so I don't they, – they tried to make a big deal out of it. Not really a big deal in my opinion. Who, who's the first person you thought of when you heard this story? If it's not Jay Cutler, you don't know your football history. Jay Cutler with a partially ta- torn MCL in-game first quarter against the Packers, which is the only Packers championship. It's one of the best Bears teams I've seen since 85. Uh, he goes out partially torn. If Brady truly played the entire season on a fully torn MCL, which, by the way, I have my fucking doubts about that. I seriously have my doubts about it. It just seems too convenient. I want to see the medical fucking proof. Like, oh, it leaks that Brady is even more of a hero than he thought he was. Yeah, bullshit. I, I want to see that proof. But even if it was partially torn, sprained, whatever, the fact that Cutler left that NFC Championship game against the Packers, and if Brady truly played a full season on it, like, fuck you, Cutler. <laughs> Philip Rivers played with a torn ACL. Yeah, exactly. I'm just, I, I just, when I heard the news, obviously, you know, as a Patriots fan, I was just surprised that he wasn't on the injury report because I think he spent 18 years on the injury report every week when he's in England. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that, that was him getting out of practice. Right. <laughs> that was the Patriots just rebelling against the probable designation, which is the dumbest designation of all time. They're like, if you're if, if you've ever been a Julian Edelman fantasy football owner, you know the schedule. On Tuesday he's doubtful. Or on, on, on yeah, on Tuesday he's doubtful. Thursday he's questionable. Saturday it's a coin flip. Sunday he plays. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> so let, let, let's talk some other NFL. Let's get let's get out. Uh, we we're, we're we're talking about a lot of quarterbacks here, but uh some big news this week. Cam Maker suffer, suffers an Achilles injury. Um, more than anything, this is going to absolutely devastate the uh, running back board of your fantasy league. Um, because I think Cam, Cam Akers is a bona fide back. Uh, but last year you saw Darrell Henderson super productive when he was in. And yet, Sean McVay still, he just would not. He'd constantly go back and forth between him and Malcolm Brown. How do you ultimately see this running back situation playing out for the Rams? Well, I mean, the roster is kind of barren right now outside of, you know, of Darrell Henderson. Uh, Malcolm Brown's gone. We talked about him a bunch already uh, down to Miami. So at this point, it's like you have to probably bring somebody in, I would think. And we've talked about it. There's some veterans out there on the waiver wire, right? Uh, Adrian Peterson, I believe, is available as well as Frank Gore. So those are two guys that you should absolutely – I mean, 
Why not? Schwarzenegger's own Frank Gore, yes. by the way. Please, please you've put got, that trademark. Yeah, I mean, you've got Matt Stafford. He played with Adrian Peterson last year. I mean, that should be an easy one to convince Adrian Peterson to be like, come on down and let's, you know I mean? You can get some reps here for sure. If not, take over the starting role just because that's kind of what you expect to happen. Unless he shook his hand and then he's like, no, don't bring that guy in. Okay. <laughs> I, I like the idea of bringing in like Peterson or Gore, uh, one or the other. And then you got to think that they'll they'll – you know, grab one or two guys off the trash heap when cuts come down. Um, Philadelphia is carrying too many running backs. Like that, that's a, probably a spot you take whoever they cut, and I, I think they probably fill you know fill the gaps with a, a receiving back out of somebody's you know roster cut. Yeah. Now, now, first off, do not forget about Jake Funk, seventh round draft pick. He, he's got a he's got a chance to shine, but there's really only two names that you really look to pick up for the uh, the veteran leadership. By the way, I did get a Jake Funk jersey. Um, uh, obviously, you want to see Adrian Peterson. I, I love seeing him do well. Uh, he's just all—he's going to be one of my all-time favorites. But wouldn't it be poetic justice to see Todd Gurley come back and maybe Darrell Henderson goes down and Gurley just have a Pro Bowl season and with the Rams? And he's just like, "Hey, thanks for getting rid of me." I'm, I'm actually—I'm super shocked that there was a guy named Jake Funk in last year's draft in the Oakland and, and Raiders didn't take him. Um, that's 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 really special. But hey, I think we're forgetting about somebody that's out there. Todd Gurley never signed with the Ravens. He, he's he's definitely the best running back on the free agency right now. But he's talked a lot of shit about the Rams, so that's probably not happening. <laughs> it's a messy divorce. Yep. Uh, <laughs> it shouldn't be on Gar- Gurley's part. He got paid a fuckload of money and and had a bunch oh. of pretty bad years there. To be honest, I what mean, he he had great years, but he also was injured for a lot of it. So. What do you guys think about the injury itself? Like to me, I, I feel like Achilles is kind of like the new what ACLs used to be like ten years ago, fifteen years ago. Where I think that's the bad one. If you if you're talking about especially position like running back, where you put a lot of weight on it, cut you get the you know the guy tackles you, defensive lineman tackles you. Now there's an extra four hundred pounds on t- of pressure on that injury. Um, I, I, that's a hard one to come back from. And it's yeah. a true 12 to 18 months. Like 18 months is very much on the board with this injury. This could be a two-year loss um, potentially. Uh, yeah, Achilles is is devastating. And and every everyone was just drooling. And in, in, our, in our fantasy league and everywhere should have been, this guy was going to be an absolute stud in that offense. I, I, don't, I don't care. We talked about a little bit how he might got some – uh, you know, carry share. I don't care. I think Cam Akers um, was looking at a Pro Bowl season and a revitalized offense, and that's feel bad for the guy. Yes, yeah. I, I had him at like an All Pro uh, uh, MVP conversation type player. I, I, I love the Damn guy. It. I've been I've been huge on him, um, and I was reading on the Achilles because that's what Malik Hooker's coming off of. And they, now they did say it's roughly about nine months, but it's not like. It's not like shoulder, like it's injury where you get that first hit, you can shake it off. It's very much like the ACL. It's always going to be in like in the back of your head because it can pop at any time. It's so like weird and freaky, and it, something like that unfortunately can enti- entirely derail his entire career. The thing which that I makes hope it, not. I mean, he he's only twenty two, so I mean, he if if those, the younger you are, the the better you're going to bounce back from anything like that. So there is that. He's going to be able to put in a lot of work in the recovery table and all that stuff. Um, and he's a ridiculously hard worker, so I don't expect him to not do everything in his power to get back. In reality, I probably think that he, regardless of situation, but he'll be back and able to play next year, but he'll be a backup. <clears throat> Maybe by the end of the season next year, you'll expect to him be able to start giving him more of a workload. But, I mean, it's just, it's terrible. 
Yeah, it's it, it's shitty. Um, the biggest thing that I'm disappointed in is that uh, because he's out, I'm sad that people in my fantasy league won't be fooled by him. Because I think I think he was one of the biggest traps on the on the draft board this year, um, and I was pretty vocal about that in our fantasy cast. Uh, the Rams, I'm telling you, the Rams are the new age New England. Don't trust any running backs that they have. Cam Akers did really good in the playoffs. Who cares? The Patriots have always emphasized running backs, you know, just randomly in the playoffs or in the regular season. It's always going to be insert this guy, insert this guy, insert this guy. And I'm telling you, the way that where Cam Akers was shaking up to be drafted on the draft board, he was one of the biggest traps out there because they were going to go back and forth between him and Darrell. Darrell Henderson is a really good player. Um, so I, 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 I could see him having like 15 six to 1700 all purpose yards, but like five touchdowns. Yeah. And, and just, just, just look at last year, like Darrell Henderson would have hundred yard games. And then the very next game, they would give it back to Malcolm Brown and it would go back and forth like that. That's, that's how Sean McVay's offense op- operates. You can't really trust anybody, uh, in wide receivers, anybody. I mean, they, they, the game plan is so fluid. It's it's going to go back and forth. Yeah, Darrell Henderson had a four point five yards of carry last year. That's a really really productive season. So he's he, he's he's decent. Um, but yeah, so that that's going to be an interesting shakeup on the 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 draft board. Um, should we should we kick into the NFL here? Yeah, let's yeah, do it. Sir. Let's get to this because this, I think this is one of the most exciting divisions. It, it always is. Um, like back in the. The OG Madden days, like the AFC West was always like one of the most consistently good divisions. If you were starting a franchise with like four people, uh, it was especially like in the early 2000s, um, like when Tony Gonzalez was with the Chiefs and uh, Philip Rivers, Drew Brees was with the Chargers. Um, I think it's incredibly interesting this year. So we're going to do it pretty much the same way that we did last year, uh, where we go team by team. But I think we should shake it up a little bit. Let's start with the bottom. Let's, let's start with the bottom teams. And, you know, I want you guys to give your, your predictions. If you think they're going to win the division, and then we're going to give our Vegas predictions on futures, uh, you know, give their one over-under on win totals and uh, where you think that's going to land. Well, let's start with the bottom, and, and it's it's pretty obvious who's at the bottom here. The Las Vegas Raiders, who for the first time this year will be playing in a stadium with fans, which is going to be interesting and Probably going to be mostly fans for the other team. I see that's yeah. how that's going to be shaking out. Do you remember when uh, the Chargers were playing in that soccer stadium and that was close to Anaheim? Uh, and it was pretty much the, the Vikings played them and, and they actually estimated that there was 70% Vikings fans there in that game. Well, that's how this is going to play out with the Raiders pretty much all year. So that might not even be that much of an advantage. Um, yeah, they're going to, they're going to, that's going to be an ongoing challenge for them forever, for I sure. think. They're going to, have to get really strong season ticket numbers, and those season ticket members are going to want to have to go uh, versus sell them to you know out of town fans because it's going to be a big destination thing. Hey, you know our team plays the the Raiders. Let's go make a Vegas weekend out of it. Yeah. So just a point of note for uh, the AFC West: the divisions that they're matched up with this year are going to be the AFC North and the NFC East, <clears throat> and then the one uh, each team is playing one team from. Uh, from the a from the NFC North, so the Raiders get the Lion or no, I'm sorry, the Raiders get the Bears. Rough. You think that's rough? So I actually looked at it. It's Week Five, 
So probably the week that Justin Fields takes over. Yep. So let's just, you know, let's let's give a little bit of a breakdown. Um, so Vegas has the over-under for the Raiders currently at six and a half wins. Um, I, I think it's being kind of generous. Uh, what do they lose? They lose the bulk of their offensive line. Um, it's really kind of bizarre. If you're trying to if you're trying to bounce back from a bad season, uh, especially with the quarterback that they have, last thing you would think that they would do is is lose out on the offensive line. But sure enough, they lose uh, uh, Rodney Hudson, Rodney Hudson, and Trent Brown, and um, Gabe Jackson. Rodney Hudson's mm-hmm. one of the best centers in the game, and they literally give him away for peanuts. Um, for the Cardinals, baby. Yep, and they they go out. They you know they they spend early picks on Alex Weatherwood, uh, but other than that, their draft was pretty bad. All in all, uh, they bring in Kenyon Drake, who's kind of more of the same with with Jacobs. Like he doesn't really offer that much that much of a different skill set that Jacobs already offers. I do think John Brown is a really good player and an improvement over Aguilar. <clears throat> um, and they bring in Ngakwe, so that's some good. You know, good good pieces, but they lose Aguilar, they lose Rodney Hudson, they lose Trent Brown. Um, is anyone bullish on this team? I'm looking at you, Marcus. Um, I, I'm all I've, Raiders. I'm always going to have a somewhat of a soft spot for them. Um, I, I don't hate Derek Carr as much as a lot of people do. Um, you know, I, I think he's more than serviceable. He's talented. I, they have a really young defense. Um, they still play like old Raider ass. We're going to get some dumb personal fouls and dumb penalties. Um, but I, I'm, I'm pulling up their schedule now. Brutal. I'd love to see them come out and uh, beat Baltimore at home, kind of open the stadium. But <laughs> hold, just hold, hold on, I'm just talking here. But uh, I, I do like over six and a half. Um, I think um, I'm hu- well, we're going to get into some of the teams that I like, um, obviously, in this division. Um, but I, I think there's going to be a lot of splits um, in here as well. Not, I don't think it's going to be perfect around the board, but I do see them potentially sweeping Denver and pulling one or two wins in the Kansas City and Chargers games. They're just going to be like a weird team. Uh, they're they're going to have some awful defensive performances, and uh, they're also going to have some – I think they're going to be middle of the road as far as defense goes and uh, probably in the uh, top 12 offense so just above the middle of the road but I, I it'll be close uh, but I, I see them as seven eight wins yeah so I absolutely disagree with that 100 percent uh their new uh, defense coordinator is Gus Bradley who hasn't coordinated a good defense in like 10 years um their secondary is ridiculously young and young, young secondaries are traditionally not that good uh they don't have a great linebacking core to make up for the fact that their secondary is young and then their their only pass rush added is Yannick Ngakwe. So it's not even like they're going to be able to rush the passer. Cleveland Farrell's have been a complete bust in terms of a first-round draft pick that you took over Josh Allen and Brian Burns, who are both better players than him. Um, I, have a, I, I don't know if they're going to be able to run the ball. So to me, this is a team that is going to be throwing the ball a lot. Uh, Derek Carr's numbers are going to look great. You know, They have one of the best tight ends in the game in Darren Waller, and he's going to look great, but... In terms of their winning actual games, I don't like it very much. I have them under six and a half. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mimic that. I have them at five wins. Um, listen, they were a top 10 offense last year, right? Their offense was good. Unfortunately, they used, lose three starters and balance it out with John Brown and Kenyon Drake. They had a bottom third defense, and all they really add is Yannick Ngakwe, 
who I, you know, I, I think is a bigger name than he does production. Um, and look how many games they won last year. So I definitely think they take a step back. Um, I'm with you, Newman. I think Darren Waller and um, and Derek Carr are going to have fantastic fantasy seasons, and I think we'll get into that here shortly. Um, but outside of fantasy, I mean, the the Raiders are going to be hard to watch this year. Um, I think they're going to be bad. I think they're going to be you know quarter bottom quarter of the league bad. Quick question before we get everyone else's thoughts. If they actually are really bad, how bad would they have to be for them to bite the bullet and fire John Gruden? Dude, they're attached for so long. Are they attached for a decade? I, mean, I think they. I think it's like six more years. He's been there four, maybe. It's not happening. It's not happening. No, it's just they're they're just tied to him too long. But yeah, I mean, they probably have to go two and fifteen, you know, um, for that to happen. But I have them at five. I'm yeah. going five and twelve, so I'm also under six and a half. Yeah, I'm, I'm right in that same neighborhood. Uh, five, six wins. I think it's under. Uh, the offense is going to be good. It's going to be a great fantasy offense. Uh, buy stocks of John Brown, Darren Waller. Um, I like Rugs a lot. He'll probably be overdrafted, but I, I like Rugs if you can get good value on him. Carr is going to have good junk time fantasy numbers for sure, uh, but that defense is not good. Marcus, um, what do you I, think of uh, Brandon or think of Jacobs there, Josh Jacobs? Well, he's de- he's definitely not being kept. If he drops to like the fifth round, I still won't take him. Uh, but uh, but truthfully, here's here's my hot take uh, for the Raiders. Other than obviously the total wins, uh, it's gonna be Darren Waller. He's not gonna be a top five tight end. Honestly, I think he's gonna fall out. He's gonna flirt with the top ten, maybe. I think he falls outside of there, but he won't be a top five tight end for sure. Oh Guarantee. man. I couldn't disagree with that more, and I hate the Raiders. I, I so I, I think the Raiders will be lucky to to win five games this year. We'll be lucky. I I, I put them at four wins. I think they're horrible. Um, I mentioned a lot about my my bad takes in the past. I'm actually pretty vocal about the hills that I've died on. I called John Gruden the second that he he was he was hired with with the Raiders. I called it. I said it was going to be a massive disaster. It will continue to be a terrible disaster. This is a team that started six and three last year, folks, and they they blew the Chiefs out, like kicked their ass. Like it, it, it was a bizarre win. Uh, they looked good at times, but this is what Gruden has always done. He's a weird presence in the locker room. He's not that good of a football mind. He's certainly never going to return to ESPN and be a quarterback guru because I see Derek Carr eventually leaving the Raiders and having like Tannehill success with another team. This is a guy that his future has been horribly mishandled. I actually really love Derek Carr's rookie year, but he has been touched by all the bad coaches. I mean... It's 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 Adam Gase effect in full full form. The Raiders are dumb enough to hold on to Gruden for the next three years until he can go back to ESPN and try to scrape together a contract. He's one of the worst coaches in the league. Uh, this team is is bad. It's only worse from last year. Their coaching is bad. Their 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 uh, GMs are bad. Everything about this organization is bad. The only thing that they've done that was right is moving to Vegas, and I can't wait to we all assemble a crew and go to a game. Like, whatever. It'd be so easy to convince me, guys. Hey, you guys want to go see the fucking Ravens? Sure. I hate. I don't like the Ravens at all, but I'd love to go see a fucking game in Vegas. That's the only good move they've made, but it's only a good move for other teams. It's a great move for me. It's a great move for you guys to go to Vegas and watch your team. It's going to be a great move 
to go to Vegas and watch the Raiders lose over the next five years. They're you're going to get to see a win. I mean, not only is it going to see a game in exactly. Vegas, but there's a high likelihood you're going to see a win. Yep. Um, and I just I, so that was a great point on Derek Carr. I just looked it up. He's only tied to uh, Las Vegas through next season. So 2023, you're going to have Brady leaving. You're going to have Rodgers leaving. You're going to have Ben leaving. I mean, there's going to be a lot of teams that Derek Carr can slide in. Drew, I think that's a great point about Derek Carr having a late career renaissance. That's a that's a fantastic. They, I mean, could they not move him this year? Like when when they stumble out of the gates and are one and five. I mean, they they'll probably start fielding some offers. Why not? You know, try and get a second I mean, rounder for the guy. There, there's been a lot of talk that the Raiders would be one of the teams that would try to acquire Aaron Rodgers if he became available. And in that, they would flip Derek Carr to Green Bay. If Aaron Rodgers left the Packers for the Raiders, we were talking about Aaron Rodgers earlier, I'd lose all respect for the guy. Why would you do that? It's clearly a worse overall roster, worse coaching change. I mean, I I like before a lot more than I like Gruden. That'd be a terrible choice. I, I don't disagree with anything you're saying. I'm just saying if, like, the, the Packers are like, well, if you're not going to play for us, we don't give a fuck who you don't play for. We'll trade your your rights to the Raiders, and the Raiders can just pay us a bunch of picks, and then you can sit on the Raiders bench, and, and he'll just be like, I don't want to play for John Gruden either. There for couldn't sure. be a worse marriage than Gruden Rodgers. Like, those guys wouldn't be able to last five minutes in a row. I agree. It'd be <laughs> disastrous. Is, is, there, is there any greater proof of John Gruden's overconfidence and hubris in his, his own ability and the reality that he's terrible beyond the fact that Nathan Peterman's on this roster. <laughs> Nathan Peterman, um, who uh, <clears throat> I recently heard that uh, some coach came out and said Nathan Peterman was the most cor- was the most pro-ready uh, quarterback in the draft he was drafted. Um, so bad. A lot of people miss on Nathan Peterman. A lot of people were really bullish on Nathan Peter by- Peterman, by the way. It's, it's really strange. But let's move on. None of us picked the, the Raiders as, as, as the winner. I think Marcus is the only one that went the over. We all knew that was happening. Marcus, we love you. Um, so let's move on to the Denver Broncos, who are our second to the bottom in terms of Vegas projections. This is a team that is firmly in the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes. Um, this is a team that is probably willing to fuck up their future more than any other team to get Aaron Rodgers, I think. Uh, and a lot of people think they're one of the most Aaron Rodgers-ready teams. I actually don't necessarily agree with that too much, but well, let's just look at the facts. Vegas has them at eight and a half wins currently, so Vegas is pretty bullish on them. Uh, they bring in Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, they bring in Ronald Darby and Kyle Fuller. Great additions to their defense. Uh, they obviously didn't have Von Miller for the majority of last season. Um, I still think Von Miller's got some stuff in the tank. You saw some bust-out performances from guys like Tim Patrick last year. Uh, Justin Simmons, they re-signed. Shelby Harris. Um, I mean, you know, on paper, it's a really good team. But who's the projected starter? Still Drew Locke. So we talked about cold takes. You guys remember a year ago when uh, I was on the Drew Locke? uh, Derek said that he thought Justin Herbert was going to be the breakout quarterback on this division, and I said Drew Locke. So I got to own that one because uh, talk about a miss. Holy cow was I off on Drew Locke. That guy I think I supported you a little bit, and I'm I'm pretty fucking – I'll be completely honest. I still think he has potential. I I do. I mean, he has – he's got a big arm. He's got mobility. Some guys, it just takes a little longer to figure out the speed of the NFL game. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he was serviceable. And and they were, they were he was injured a lot. I mean, 
who started games for them? Brett Rippon, uh, the the quarterback from the quarterback slash wide receiver from Wake Forest started a game. We all saw that freaking whatever horrible occurrence that was. Um, they also Teddy. had uh, did Jeff, Jeff Driscoll started a couple games for them. And um, yeah, so like if they could, if if Drew Locke was the starter every week, I would have more confidence in him than that. Obviously, um, they have the seventh easiest schedule per Warren Sharp. Their extra game is against the Lions this year. Uh, I like I said, they got a loaded skill group. I think the offensive line is starting to gel under uh, Munchak. Um, they still have you know Melvin Gordon there, and this defense is really loaded. The schedule soft. I like them to exceed the win total. So you, you like them at over eight and a half. Mm-hmm. Yep. Here's why you're wrong. They're, the Broncos are going to be like a five-six win team. I actually think I'm going to have them at the the bottom end. Um, so yeah, on paper they're they're relatively solid. I think they're still a little thin up front, um, and you know other than like Vaughn Miller as a pass rushing linebacker, uh, they're going to need a little bit more help with the offensive line. Um, I think they're a team that if they can get ahead early um, and teams have to throw the ball, I think they you know can have some success there. I just, I personally don't really see it happening. I think they're going to struggle against the run. Um, you're going to have some growing pains with Patrick Sertan, but the kid is the real deal. Um, I've, I've got, I've got the Broncos in the right in that five six uh, wins, um, and, and I think they're going to take some bad L's. Uh, I think the Jets are Jets. Pop, may, I'm torn on the Jags. They start off with a, a weak ish schedule. Uh, I think Teddy B is will be playing um, over halfway through the season when Lockett's benched. Uh, I think they're going to sneak a few weird wins out there, but all in all, I've got them at five six wins. I mean, See, I mean, I think there's there's the key right there, Marcus. You hit on it. <clears throat> if Teddy Bridgewater starts the entire year, I have him at nine and eight. Um, but if if they if they mess around and they give Lock a third of the season, a half of the season, then I do think they're probably around that six seven win mark. Um, so, I mean, again, if it's eight and a half, I don't have confidence in Denver that they'll make the right move with Ted, with Teddy B. So I do think they'll mess around with Drew Locke. So I have them under, but I do li- really, really like this team. Kind of like we talked about the Giants. I like the individual parts more than I like the sum. Like their, their secondary is just insane. Kareem Jackson, Justin Simmons, Kyle Fuller. I think Patrick Sertan is going to be an absolute monster. They do have a little bit of issues, you know, in that front four. Um, but I, I really, really like the pieces. I just don't like the quarterback. I mean, again, this is the AFC version of the, the Giants for me, um, which is why I got to have them under here at, uh, at seven and 10. Yeah, I mean, I look at the, I like that as well. I like the this the individual parts more than the sum. And the thing is, if you look at where this team is weak, on both sides of the ball, it's in the middle, mm-hmm. and that's not a good place to be weak. Um, they're gonna have a hard time stopping people. I don't like them. I, I love both their offensive tackles. I don't like the middle of that offensive line. Um, middle of that defense doesn't isn't anything that intimidates me all the way out through the linebacking spot. Um, I, I, this is going to be a team that struggles to stay at 500. I think at seven or eight wins is where I would have them. Yeah, I think I think they're going to be in a lot of nickel and dime. And if you're going to be doing that, you better have something stout in the middle. Um, you know, Bradley Chubb's kind of been hurt. Same thing with Von Miller. They've got their things going on, so they're not going to be as um, elite as they once were or projected to be. Uh, so that'll that that'll that's where they're going to struggle uh, a lot. And you, you can't you can't be a nickel and dime if you don't have some some hosses in the in the gut. 
Yeah, so I I I think their defense is going to be really really fucking good. I mean, just 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 look at uh, these additions. I mean, you you bring in Darby Fuller, and then you draft the arguably the best defender in the draft last year in Sertain. I mean, th- this could be a really good defense. Now, Sertain might not pan out the first year, but Fuller and Darby is is already a really good, um, you know, starting point to that. Uh, this is such a dice roll team. Uh, like you guys said, if if Drew Locke is the guy, I fucking hate this team. If Te- Teddy Bridgewater is is the guy, I, I actually really, 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 really like this team. Um, I think that Melvin Gordon has a bounce back year and a fantasy fantasy wise. Uh, and I think that this is clearly the front runner for the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes, which I think is really, really saying something. So, um, I mean, look what Teddy Bridgewater has. He has Noah Fant, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton. I mean, Tim Patrick put up a pretty decent second half as a wide receiver. And then you just named all the running backs. They have a stable of RB2s, but I mean, that's they have a lot of them. I mean, they're offensive weapons. There's a lot to work with there if you have just a competent quarterback. Yeah, so let's, let's talk about from a fantasy perspective because we kind of skipped over that with the Raiders and we've been doing that with these divisional previews. But um, I think Jerry Judy is a guy to target in fantasy uh, as a guy that could really have a really big bounce back second year. Uh, he was the guy that I highlighted as being the best wide receiver last year in this wide receiving core. Um, I've now moved on, and I think that CeeDee Lamb is the best wide receiver from last year. But uh, Jerry Judy... If, if you watch this guy in college, uh, he runs such clean routes, and he is going to be a guy that is going to be an asset in the NFL for many, many years. I see this guy playing into his mid-30s with the skill set that he has. Um, he really is a, a fascinating talent who's playing with a really untalented quarterback, and I can't wait to see what he does uh, once he gets a guy like Teddy Bridgewater. That's all you need. Uh, I'm mad a third of our fantasy league is in this because I think Jefferson's going to be overdrafted. I think Claypool's going to be overdrafted. Everyone's forgetting about Jerry Judy. He's the one, again, I think is going to slip through the cracks. Um, I'm I'm right there with you. And and people sleep on Corton Sutton. I mean, he he was out all of last year, but the year before that, he was the surprise guy that had an unbelievable season. Yep. Um, and you get, love that wide receiver room. You get rid of Philip Lindsay, which is really going to make Melvin Gordon uh, a lot more valuable. And Tim Patrick, I mean, this is a really good wide receiver, receiving core in general. It, it makes a lot of sense that Aaron Rodgers wants to go there, except for what Derek said. Their offensive line sucks, and it, it's it's worrisome. So Judy had 113 targets last year. It's like I expect that to be that was in that was in a year where they're you know playing with that. Uh, you give him a better quarterback, he's going to catch a lot more of those balls. Um, and he's going to be, you know, he's he's another year in the system, another year in the NFL, adapting to the speed and stuff like that. He's going to be able to do a lot more with it. I think he's a huge breakout. All right, so uh, I'm taking the under on the Broncos as they are right now. Um, so I think we're kind of we're pretty split on this, which I like. Um, no, I think I I was the only one who took the over. I think. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, I'm, yep. I'm I'm taking the under just just as it sits right now. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, this this might be a team you want to just throw down a flyer bet to win the division. Twenty bucks if you if you're confident that Aaron Rodgers is going to go there, they'll probably win the fucking division straight up. It's, it's plus five fifty. Yeah. So I mean that's that's six and a half to one. Hell yeah, you throw a, you know ten or twenty five bucks on that. Yep. All right, let's go to a team that you know we 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 all have our darlings. We're all weirdly. The Chargers are all of our darlings, and I don't really even know how this happened. 
but we're all like really light on the Chargers, and we kind of like weirdly root for them. I feel like all of us do. Um, but let's let's talk about the fucking Chargers, who are one of the most interesting teams from last year. They start off slow, but they get rid of their quarterback. What do you guys think about this team this year? Crazy exciting, uh, the greatest rookie season ever by a quarterback. What do you think? Um, I, I'm not gonna. I I won't be able to uh, <clears throat> uh, rave enough about them. They're my AFC pick. I think they're going to win the Super Bowl. Uh, they're dead. they're winning the West. And my that's how I see them. Um, the defense has to stay healthy, but um, um, yeah, I think this is a team that could potentially be the, the highest wins in the NFL. Uh, 12, 13, 12, 13 wins. I mean, their biggest addition is getting rid of Anthony Lynn. Um, if I got anything right in this division, it was this last year. You guys all thought, ah, eh, no, it's probably he probably gets one more year after this. That the only thing I got right, if, if when I back, went back and listened, I was awful in the AFC West last year. Was Anthony Lynn? Um, they are they're going to be leaps and bounds better just with him gone. Um, nine and a half wins. Let's just let's just do away with with us going uh, one by one. Does anybody have the under on this? Yeah, I do. Actually, interesting. <clears throat> Tell us why. So their cross matchup is the Vikings. Um, they have Warren Sharp has them as the eleventh easiest schedule. But the last time we saw a quarterback do something like this, where he had you know a record setting season. Everyone was all in on him, and then all of a sudden, he kind of fell off the cliff a little bit, uh, and that was Baker Mayfield. Um, I do think that you know their offensive line should be a little bit improved, but I just don't trust this team to stay healthy. They only won five games last year. Uh, Herbert's still going to go through some growing pains, new offense, new system, all that stuff. So I just I can't see them staying healthy enough to get over that that marker. I just don't know where the losses come from then, Newman. Like, they have a pretty where, – where are they at on your sharp schedule? Because I'm looking like at the roster right now, and it's – 11th easy. 11th yeah, it's, easiest. it's a cake yeah. schedule. My, my thing is I am too concerned with, with the inability to stay healthy because this team never stays healthy. Um, you've got – I mean, all, think about all your best players. You, you know, your starting running backs, Eckler, he's been hurt. Your Keenan Allen is – like gets hurt every single year. Uh, Justin Herbert hasn't been hit by the hurt bug yet, but playing there, it, who says it couldn't happen? Um, their offensive line is still probably the biggest question mark. Yeah, but what about and, getting you know, Rayshon Slater sliding all the way down and, and, and Asante Samuel? I mean, they also just are stacking draft classes. This, is, this well. is a team that I think will be much better next year than they are this year. Interesting. Yeah, the, the biggest addition, like Brandon said, it's really getting rid of this coach. Brandon Staley, I think, is going to be a great coach in this league. Um, you get guys like Derwin James back. Uh, if Derwin James could play a full season, this this defense could be really, really fucking good. Um, and I have infinite amounts of confidence in Herbert. I really want to see what he does with a competent coaching staff because I don't believe what they had last year was a coach, a competent coaching staff. I mean, you saw them just piss away so many games with clock management, and it was embarrassing. Special teams. Herbert, in that game where he went on the road against the Saints, I stayed up. I wasn't even planning on watching that whole game. Um, I watched it all the way through the fourth quarter and then into overtime, and I watched the Chargers fuck it up. Um, this guy's the real deal. He's the guy that can go into the he he. You look at his face; he's got this. He doesn't know what's going on. He's he's like Patrick Mahomes. He doesn't know he's supposed to be scared, 
and this is like this new crop of Gen Z player. I think we might see a little bit of this with Zach Wilson, unfortunately, where guys are going to go into these crazy situations and they're too confident to even know that they're supposed to be scared. And I see this with Herbert. I can see Herbert being a guy that goes into Arrowhead and just lights it up. The air doesn't let the crowd influence him and just goes in there and performs. Herbert is going to be a future multi-MVP multi in this league. I have not liked a guy like this since Aaron Rodgers. I think Herbert is a real deal. Um, however, I am worried from a fantasy perspective that he is going to be overdrafted. I, I think that somebody in your league likes Herbert more than you. And a little bit of regression for Herbert is probably realistic like maybe he only throws for 30 touchdowns this year you know what i'm saying like that's that's, that's regression um but that's, that's i mean that's how good of a rookie season he had uh if if he blew out his rookie numbers i wouldn't be surprised but i could see him going for like 4900 pass well with 17 game season it's so hard to even predict now like mm -hmm. touchdown totals yardage totals everything's different but um yeah, I I, I I love everything about this team. I love Justin Herbert. I, I could see them winning 13 games this season. Yeah. So, so Mar Marcus, my, so you, you have them going to the Super Bowl. You have them being the, the dream team. The thing that I kind of don't like is their offensive weapons. We all love Herbert, but, I mean, they have Keenan Allen and who? You know, Mike, 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 Mike Williams. He's not that good. Yeah, you know, they got a rookie in Josh Jared Palmer. Cook. Jared Cook can't stay healthy. I mean, Derek made fun of him last week. He's good for three weeks a season. I mean, Eckler, again, I mean, he's a stud if he stays healthy. I mean, here, I like their defense a little bit more than I like their offense, actually. And the only reason I like their offense is because of Herbert. I mean, there's mm -hmm. actually, it's it's pretty bare bones when you look at their offense. That That's what I... Marcus, that's the only reason I don't have them up in that upper echelon like you do, because I think they need to add some playmakers. Yeah, you know, they might be a little bit thin there, but, you know, if you break it all down, you have potentially three Pro Bowl linemen on the offensive side. And, you know, truthfully, if we're, if you know, obviously barring any injuries on the defensive end, this is a defense that will be top three, uh, potentially number one. Uh, that's how good they're going to be. And it, everyone's going to underrate uh, the talent of Derwin James. Uh, he's got to stay healthy. Obviously, Bosa being there. Uh, a healthy defense, this this team could be a 14-15 win team. So you don't need the, the super, superstars. Uh, they have they have a balanced receiving core. And um, when your defense plays that good, you run the rock and you don't do anything stupid. So I think that that's my question mark with uh, Justin Herbert. But it might be – some of the stats might be regressed. But I think having a an, an elite defense uh, can help um, – um, you know, dull that down. Now, I, I'm splitting hairs. I have them at 12 wins. I think they're going to be, you know, maybe maybe the third, fourth. May, they even could be second. Like, I, I like their uh, potential more than I like Buffalo. Um, but, uh, again, I just think I want a couple more playmakers there. Maybe they can go and, and uh, grab some um, camp uh, casualties and, and pick up a uh, playmaker or two. But... Sure. Um, so, yeah, so they, they do have some interesting flyers there uh, from a fantasy perspective. Josh Palmer is a rookie that they drafted out of Tennessee who was really productive at Tennessee despite the fact that they had awful quarterback play. So Josh Palmer is the guy to watch. Jalen Guyton was pretty decent last year. He had over 500 yards receiving. And then they have Tyron Johnson. One buddy, Somebody there is going to be a starter in that offense. Whoever it is, 
is going to be a, a pretty good fantasy flyer, um, especially in like and we're talking team. we're talking teen round, right? You're talking like twelve to fifteen. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm with like, you there. I'm actually like, on. I like Josh Palmer there. Late some, somebody's got to get some. Somebody's got to play. Like you're going to start three wide receivers. Keenan Allen's going to play in the slot. Somebody's got to be outside there, and they're going to get catches. Jalen Guyton hit some really like they they hit him on some bombs last year. Uh, so so somebody's going to catch the ball. Um, Herbert is projected right now. Uh, Fantasy Pros has him as quarterback seven with an ADP of seventy three. Wait, there's no way. I'm, there's no way I'm touch, touching him there. Not, a not he's not top one hundred, honestly. Yeah. yeah so Herbert is he's su- such an interesting player this year. I mean, you look at him. He, he's sandwiched between Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. I mean, this is this is how much people think of this guy. Um, I think it's realistic, and you know what? If if I have Aaron Rodgers and Herbert on the board, I'm damn sure taking Herbert right now, especially if we don't know what's going on with Aaron Rodgers. I'm definitely taking Herbert. So I think it's I think it's reasonable. Right past Wilson, like, and then if you look at this list, right past Rodgers, Jalen Hurts, Tom Brady, Ryan Tannehill, wh- which one of these guys are you taking over Herbert? I think it's realistic uh, putting Herbert at seven. And you know what? No, I'm I'm not taking him any higher than that. I, you got to take Russell Wilson over that. But I I, I think it's pretty crazy. The second year guy's already at seven in quarterback uh, for fantasy. I like him a lot. I mean, like like we said, you know, they get Derwin James back. They got the better, the mo- probably the most value on draft day than anybody. We yes. talked about how false Slater fell. Um, I, I think the offense is good enough. Justin Herbert could throw me open if you know push came to shove. I'm not worried about you know the, the talent around him. You, you look at Tom Brady back in the day, and it's it's a bunch of nobodies, guys who go elsewhere. David Patton, uh, Deion Branch, good quarterbacks can make it work. Uh, my biggest concern with these guys is if, are they going to make me try to fall in love with Jared Cook again? And how mad am I going to be when you know, it turns out he's a bum again, and and Donald Parnum's a guy or the best name I've seen in a while, Trey McKitty is uh out of Florida is, State is waiting in the Actually, wings as well. Out of Georgia via Florida State. Yeah. Nice. So I think um, I think fantasy uh analysts are finally turning on Jared Cook. They have him at twenty fourth on the tight end pool and it's it's well deserved. Jared Cook has has fucked so many fantasy owners over the last ten years. I mean this he's is like tight end eight every year preseason and then never ever cracks the top twenty. He's got all the talent. You know he was with the Titans for so long and they misused him. And I think that there was, those were really his prime physical years. Um, and now he's just not that guy anymore. He's not this burner. He's not this guy you were drafting super high in your fantasy Madden drafts. I hate, um, I hate to bring this up, but it, ever since he tore his Achilles in Tennessee, he hasn't been the same. So I think he's actually appropriately rated is what I, what I was getting at. Um, he might actually be kind of a steal at 24, to be honest. If, if, if you're taking him as a second tight end, I mean, why not? Especially the red zone touches. I mean, Parnum in that big six eight frame. It's hard not to like that. Uh, McKitty. They took him in the third round. I don't think you take a tight end in the third round unless you plan on playing him. You know, it's weird. McKitty's not going to be good next year in fantasy. Definitely not. No, Um, not in fantasy. But but will he eat into Jared Cook? Right. He doesn't need to be a standalone fantasy producer. He just needs to eat away enough of Jared Cook's touchdowns that I don't think he's worth owning. Yeah, I think McKitty's got to put on some weight before he becomes a, a real threat to play a lot there, though. For sure. I'll be really curious to see how this offense evolves, you know, post the Lynn years. Um, I watched Hard Knocks last year. I don't like anything I saw out of Lynn. The guy's a weird, a weird guy to be a head coach. I think I think he's a good coordinator. He's really good when he like talks with players. You just see the way he interacts, though. He doesn't he doesn't seem like a guy that can run an organization. Um, and I'm I'm just I'm so 
curious to see what Brandon Staley. I mean, he's he's top for Vegas odds for coach of the year. Uh, I I think this team is going to be absolutely unbelievable this year, uh, especially so, if, so if am Dur- I the only one that has the under here? Yeah, and if yeah. and I'll I'll make the bold prediction: if Derwin James plays the whole season, they win the division. Yeah, if they don't get significant injury time to Keenan Allen, Eckler, or, or Derwin, they're my favorite for the division for sure because I think Kansas City is very flawed. Yep, that's a huge. Huge caveat, though. It is. And so yeah. let's move on to the, the juggernaut. I mean, th- this is the team, like, we have not seen a team this consistent in quite some time. They've won the division, what, five years in a row? I believe it is. Uh, they, it is the longest active streak of winning division. Um, this is a team that I think could potentially lose Patrick Mahomes and, and win 11 games with Chad Henney. Like, that's how fucking good Andy Reid is. Because you look at, with Alex Smith, just the prior years of Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid is just that good. And Patrick Mahomes with Andy Reid is even better. So, uh, Vegas obviously thinks so high this team. They're the top uh, win team, even over the Bucks this year, at 12 and a half wins. Um, they lose Sammy Watkins. They lose Eric Fisher. They lose Damian Williams, who didn't actually even play it down last year. Uh, they gain some really interesting talents. Jarek McKinnon, who I think could be a really underrated addition for this team, uh, obviously did not do much with the 49ers, but was great with the Vikings. Uh, Joe Tooney and Jerron Reed. So, uh, and, and Orlando Brown and Creed Humphrey. They yep. added three yep. starters on that offensive line. That's obvious. We all watched the Super Bowl. We saw what was held, holding them back. Yep. Adding three new starters who, again, you don't know about a rookie, but I mean, Creed Humphrey was one of the safe bets at center um, that, you, that you could have went with. So I, I love what they did. And uh, for they, I'm following Vegas. Not a shock here. I have them over and winning the division. Offensive line is a unit. It's, it's not five individual positions. It's a unit. So I, I think have, adding three new faces to that, they're going to come out of the gate with some issues uh, as far as protection. Now, I think Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league If you know when it comes to bad protection, what he can do and what he can create. So I'm not super worried there. But this, to me, has like early 2000s Colts written all over it. This is a team that's built to win a bunch of games in the regular season, but fail in the playoffs. What is, uh, what, what's their over under for the season? 12 and a half. 12 and a half. 12 and a half. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm definitely taking under. So, you know, obviously they, they did way better in the off season with the offensive line that I anticipated and thought. Um, and they're going to be in a lot of high scoring games. So it's going their defense is going to struggle. Yeah. Jaron Reed, you know, he had a fair year, but he's not super consistent. Um, but if you look at his defense, Chris Jones, you know, he really goes in spurts. Um, but the, their secondary is so bad. Their secondary is so bad. And I think what the, the biggest issue right now is getting after the quarterback. Remember Frank Clark's facing some felony charges. So there's a potential he's not even going to be able to play, you know, Jail or not, he's he's going to be he's going to get suspended by the NFL, so he's missing games. Um, and then if you if you have him out there, you have zero pass rush, and it, they're they're going to probably be a bottom five, bottom eight defense in the NFL this year. And they're good, they're going to score obviously, but um, I, I think they're going to struggle. They they could potentially be a you know, obviously it's funny to say they could be a bad at nine or ten wins, but I, I think that's kind of where they're aiming. Guys, you got to look at their schedule. The, the, their toughest game away from Arrowhead is Tennessee. They have the Browns at home, the Bills 
at home, the Packers at home, the Steelers at home. They don't have games that they, they, they're they not going to be the underdog in a single game this year. Maybe at L.A., maybe the Chargers game they might be, but they're going to be favored, I think, in 17 games this year when you look at their schedule. They, they may have a tough schedule based on opponents, but when you look home and away, th- this team's winning 13 or 14 games this year. Uh, you just Warren, look Sharp, at Warren Sharp has it as the 13 hardest schedule, yeah. so it's yeah. about middle of the pack. Yeah, I mean, they, they, look at where look, they look play. At, Arrowhead is one of the biggest advantages with crowds. You got to remember, crowds are back. It is. Mm-hmm. No, Arrowhead, I mean, statistically, you look back the last 30 years, Arrowhead is one of the greatest uh, home field. It, it, it rivals Lambeau in its dominance. Um, just terrible teams. You know, Matt Castle is playing lights out in Arrowhead, like in, in his prime Chiefs years. It's just, it's just the way the Arrowhead uh, functions. Um, my uncle is a huge Broncos fan. He's been over to Arrowhead. He said it's the most electric stadium he's ever been in. Um, but, I mean, I, I, I disagree with your schedule uh, assumptions. They come out of the gates against Browns. Yes, it's an Arrowhead. Then Ravens in Baltimore. And then the Chargers, Eagles, shitty game there. But then they go right back to the Bills, Washington, mm-hmm. Titans. This is a tough opening schedule. Like, like. I know a lot of these games are in Arrowhead, but these are fucking good teams. You look at a revitalized Browns team that played them very competitively last year in the playoffs. I mean, this this is a this is a team that could stumble coming out of the gates. I could I could definitely see them doing that. Um, I'm taking the under. Uh, I'm still going to take them to win the division. My my prediction with the Chargers. It's only if Derwin James stays healthy, and I don't think he does. <laughs> he has all these nagging injuries, and and the way that his career has played out, I just don't see it happening. If he plays all 17 games, give me the charges all day. I'm still taking the Chiefs, but I'm going to take the under here. I, I think they win 12 games. If, if, if it was at 12 and a half or, or 12, I wouldn't even touch it. But I think they'll win 12 games, and I think it's going to be an ugly 12-win season. I don't like a lot of the things that are going wrong with this team. Uh, from a fantasy perspective, there's a lot to talk about with this team, and we'll, we'll go from there. But any, anybody else taking the over at 12 and a half? I'm going to take the over here. I just can't pick against Andy Reid. He's the be- you know one of the best offensive minds in the business. He will figure something out. Um, and Patrick Mahomes is going to do Patrick Mahomes things. Uh, the early part of the schedule is pretty rough. But like Brandon said, they do get those games at home. And... Uh, some of those defenses that they're playing against that you mentioned, they cannot stop the run. Uh, I think they made a conscious effort to go get guys who can block, who can run block uh, on that offense to improve that offensive line. And I kind of think that this is going to be a bounce back year for Clyde Edwards Hilaire uh, in terms of fantasy because of that as well. All right, so let's let's talk a little fantasy. Um, this is one of the most interesting offenses in terms of fantasy producers. Uh, Travis Kelsey just had the best season a tight end has ever had in fantasy football ever last year. I mean, dominated every single record. They're in existence. The guy, touchdown-wise, receiving-wise, it's a renaissance for tight ends in the league right now, and Travis Kelsey and Kittle are leading the pack. Um, do you see any regression though? I mean, he just had the greatest season a tight end's ever had. You can realistically re- 
expect regression, but this is one of these guys, he keeps getting better, but he is approaching an age where you should see a decline. So um, what? How, how big of a decline should we see out of Travis Kelsey this year? I mean, I definitely think he's ha- he has to decline, right? He's not going to put up another greatest season by a tight end of all time. Um, but I, I basically expect him to kind of go back to what he was doing the few years previously. Uh, he's going to put up somewhere close to 1,000 yards, maybe not quite that money. Um, he's going to catch plenty of touchdowns. They, The way that they use him, right, with all the little motion gadgets and all the little stuff that, that Andy Reid does to find ways to get ball, the ball in his hands, that's what's going to keep him relevant. Uh, the real, the biggest thing that could happen to him that would that would decrease his value is if he gets hurt, which is obviously possible as much as he's gotten used over the last few years. But I don't know how much we want to predict that. This is insane. Uh, according to Fantasy Pros, the Chiefs have the number one tight end, the number one wide receiver, and the number one quarterback. <laughs> mm-hmm. Pretty damn good trio. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's another question, though, right? Who becomes the starter opposite of Ty Freak there? I think it's got to be Hardman, right? I mean, Demarcus Robinson's still kind of a gadget, you know, whatever he is there. I, I think I liked what I saw from Hardman. I think I think he's ready to kind of jump up and, and play that role. Um, I, it's not Pringle. It's not Hardman. Um, it's pretty bare. I mean, it kind of reminds me a lot of the Chargers um, uh, that there's, there's not a lot after number one there. They're they're all the exact same receiver. Um, truthfully, I, I like Cornell Powell to come in there and be the number two three, uh, probably by midseason. Uh, if, if the Chiefs could go seven wide, they, they could be super dangerous. You know, they got so many receivers. Um, Patrick Mahomes, he's probably going to shatter every single season passing record. Uh, we're, we're talking potentially like a six thousand yard season, sixty some odd touchdowns because with that defense struggling, uh, Patrick Mahomes, he's he actually might have some. Uh, super early uh, draft value there. Uh, but as far as receiver two goes, I, I guess I, I like uh, either, I like Powell to probably get some reps and slide in there because Demarcus Robinson's really not the guy. And McCole Hardiman's more of like a, like a specialist, a special teams kind of gadgety, but um, they're going to, they're going to all have a fair shake on uh, running a lot of routes because there's going to be a lot of passing going to Kansas city. Yeah. The, so I think the the answer to that question is it doesn't matter who's playing opposite Tyreek Hill. Anybody in this offense gonna is gonna perform. What Marcus said is completely true. Um, they're all the same guy, and if as long as you're playing with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, you're gonna perform. I think the only thing that that separates Henry Ruggs from being a top five, top ten receiver in this league is that he's not playing for the Kansas City Chiefs. Straight up. You could take a guy like Ruggs, plug him into Kansas City, and he's automatically a top five, top ten receiver. That's how much I think of this offense. It really doesn't matter. They can throw in anybody on the other side of that receiving core. I I, I don't... uh, Tyree Kill is a standalone talent. Like, what do you actually think about that guy? He's projected as a number one receiver, and it's because he's in Andy Reid's offense, and it's because he plays with Patrick Mahomes. I mean, you, you plug this guy into any other team, and he's probably barely cracking the top 10 to be honest um so yeah I, I i truly believe it doesn't matter and someone's gonna emerge and it's just a question of if you can identify that guy and grab him in fantasy because there will be some stud that emerges on the other side well yeah i mean take a flyer on one of those guys especially in a league that has a flex like maybe you start the guy every once in a while when they're when like somebody gets hurt and then they're in the lineup and you, and you can actually run them out there They'd also be good best ball picks if any of you do any of that because 
that'll fix your lineup right when it needs to be. So let's talk about uh, Edwards Hilaire, one of the biggest disappointments from the fantasy season last year. He ruined a lot of uh, teams' seasons last year, just straight up. Uh, he is sandwiched between Najee Harris, who's coming out just ahead of him on the fantasy rankings that I'm looking at, and DeAndre Swift. Uh, to me, that that's a pretty tough call. You you know what I'm saying? You're in your draft, and, and you come up with those three guys. Let's even throw Joe Mix in the mix. So so you're next up at running back. You got Joe Mixon, Najee Harris, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and Deontay Swift. Who are you taking there? That's that's a tough. I know Newman. You said that that you thought he was going to have a bounce back year, but. I'm not so confident, especially when they got Jarek McKinnon in the mix. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to lead Najee, obviously. Uh, we're going to talk about the AFC North, but uh, I like a lot that's going on there. But if you want to talk DeAndre Swift and Clyde Edwards-Lair, it's Swift all day. I, I think he's a hands-down way better back and honestly potentially higher than Najee Harris. I, I love what he's doing. Uh, he's yeah, I, I really, I really like the guy. I hate his jersey number. Um, hopefully he changed it this year, but it's no question. I, I don't think Clyde Clyde Edwards is a top 10 back. I no. just don't. I don't either. Yeah, I, I think I'm taking Najee, but I do think I'm taking CEH or Swift. Uh, I just don't think Swift is going to get the ball enough. Um, I think that the Lions are going to be really, really bad. I think you're going to see a lot of three and outs. I think you're going to see um, – you may get some garbage time, but it's tough to rely on garbage time week in and week out. I just think – CEH has the way higher ceiling um, than than Swift. Swift may be the better talent, but you got to figure in the team situation. Uh, so I'm taking CEH over Swift, but I'm going Najee all day, mostly because my bias. See, among that group, I'm going Mix Joe Mixon all day. Um, if, if if we're talking about those four guys, uh, and I actually disagree with you about Swift. Uh, if you look at what the Lions did, Lions did in the offseason, they loaded up in the trenches. Uh, they they completely overcompensated on the offensive line. Uh, Jared Goff is terrible. This is going to be a run first offense. Uh, so out of out of those guys, I'm even taking Swift over Clyde Edwards Hilaire. That that's how little I think of Edwards Hilaire though. Just just straight up, and I also think that Jarek McKinnon at 66 or whatever he's ranked on this draft board. Uh, he could emerge as a really good. This is a dude that you know he tore his ACL his first year in the for, the 49ers paid him a shitload of money. Obviously, they thought a lot of him. Uh, I think he could emerge again. It's been just enough time that he could come back and be really good. This is a this is a physical freak, Jarek McKinnon. So, Drew, you know you were down on Aaron Jones last year and you end up being wrong. I think this is your freezing cold take of this year. I think your CEH take is going to be your Aaron Jones this year. So you think CEH does have a bounce back year? I do. Interesting. I do. See, because if if you watched Chiefs games last year, he looked terrible. He, looked, he, he didn't look comfortable. He didn't think he looked, he, um, he looked uncomfortable. He looked unsure. The confidence wasn't there, but, you know... You don't need much to, you know, I think there's a big jump from year one to year two. Uh, and look what offense is he in. The, the ceiling is too too but, high there. But what do we know about this guy? Like, he, he's a one-year starter at a powerhouse, powerhouse SEC school. It's not like he's shown us that he's, you know, a, a premier running back, premier running talent. I mean, when someone tells you who they are, believe them. And last year he told me he sucks. Yeah. I, I thought he was a third, fourth round talent. Uh, I, th- I thought, you know, it was a luxury pick for the Chiefs. I think it was the wrong one. Um, there's really nothing special about him. Like, obviously, he's good because he's in the NFL. But um, 
he, he, he he's not going to lose the starting job, but he's going to be losing a lot of reps this year. I I still think he's a border. I think he's an RB two, but like I, the guys I just named, Joe Mixon, Najee Harris, DeAndre Swift. I'm taking all three of them ahead of him. That's all I'm saying. I I, I do think he has a decent year because he plays for the Chiefs, of course, and he can catch catch the ball a lot for sure. We'll see about that with Jarek McKinnon, who's also really good at receiving. Whoever's on the field is going to get reps. Like they're going to get passes yep. either way. For sure. But anything else to say about this? So division winners, who took the Chiefs? I did. I did. I did. I mean, I think more times than not, if you, if you simulate it out, you know, 100 times, they'll probably win it 80 times. But uh, I'm going to live in the world where the, the Chargers stay healthy and they win the division. <laughs> <laughs> Giants See, yeah, and Chargers, I t- Derek. I, I love it, man. I can, uh, I can tell you've been walking, watching some Loki, and I respect it. What a great <laughs> series! I just, I, I binged the shit out of it last weekend. Holy fuck, that's good. I'm yeah. getting ready to. I can't wait, dude. It's so good. Go watch. Go watch that show. It's so fucking good. I could talk for a year about that. Oh, one. bro, it's it's so good. But we might even do a podcast on it. Loki is a great show. Go watch that shit. Great acting, everything, amazing. Uh, but yeah, so you're taking the timeline approach. You've definitely been some binging some Loki. I like it. And dude, in, in what timeline does Aaron Rodgers bang himself? Probably every timeline. Oh, for sure. 100%. <laughs> the variants of Aaron Rodgers are all insufferable. Every well, what, about, what about the ti- what about the timeline when Aaron Rodgers is on the Broncos? <laughs> Pretty sure well, they're winning the division, well, right? Wait, h- how many timelines is Aaron Rodgers a woman? <laughs> <laughs> All but Dude, the one we're in. In every yeah, timeline that male Aaron Rodgers finds himself as a woman, he's fucking the shit out of her. For sure. <laughs> uh, Loki's so good. Go watch that show. All right, guys. Anything else? No. <laughs> right. What a great ending to that. All right. We went an hour and a half. Actually, a little shorter than I thought we'd go on this, but uh, AFC West, we all love that division. Uh, Let's close this thing out. Everybody, have a great night.